let's rise again from our seats as we receive our scripture reading that comes from Daniel chapter 4. I'll be reading from verses 19 through 27. This is his word. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. And Belteshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which came which has come upon my Lord, the King, that you shall be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven and seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. Morning. Welcome to our church. Welcome to KCPC. If you're new here or if you haven't been here for a while, what we're doing here at the current moment is going through a series called Sojourning in Babylon. And so what we're talking about is how to live out our faith practically uh, in this moment, in this time, in this history, in this context that each and every one of us finds ourselves in. And so today, through our text, I just want to go through this one idea with you. It's knowing when to quit. Knowing when to quit. And so when we talk about knowing when to quit, there's just three things that I want to unpack for us from the text. It's one, the need to quit. Two, the obstacles of quitting. And three, the way to quit. The need to quit, the obstacles to quitting, and the need to quit. All right. And so I'm just going to jump right into this text and start from uh, verse 24 through 25. I'm going to read it for you one more time. It says this. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king. 
that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet like with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Till you know that the Most High rules the kingdoms of men and gives it to whom he will. This chapter actually begins with a bunch of praises that Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, is giving to his Lord. Is that, giving, that he's giving to God. And why is he actually praising God in the midst of his kingship? It's because he had just seen Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being freed from the fiery furnace by the power of our Lord. And this is something King Nebuchadnezzar could not fathom. This is something King Nebuchadnezzar did not understand fully. And all he could do, all we possibly could do in our lives is to praise him. Is to respond and worship to him. And yet, the text then starts to change rather abruptly, maybe randomly even. After he's done praising God, he says that the text says that there's ease and there's prospering in King Nebuchadnezzar's life. Does this sound a little bit like you and like me? We praise God after having been blessed by a sermon. We praise God after having been blessed by a Bible study. We praise God after having been uh, convicted in our prayers and convicted by our brothers and our sisters around us. And yet the ease and the prospering in this life and the ease and the prospering in my life and in the, in a, around the culture around us helps me and helps you to forget who it is I worship, who it is I belong to, who it is that my whole life is owed to. After a good worship service, after a good retreat, what have you, I'm guilty of this. Maybe some of you are as well. You go home and the, the high is over and reality comes back in. You have to figure out your life. You have to figure out your bills. You have to figure out your family. You have to figure out your marriage. You have to figure out all these sorts of things. And in the midst of you opening up your Bible, how many times have I, or maybe us here together, looked at this Bible and said, yeah, maybe later, but did you hear what this person was wearing at church today? Oh my gosh. Oh, God, I thank you so much for Pastor David. Oh, that sermon last week, Mene Mene, Parkle Tarson, Par Tar Tekel Parson. Oh, maybe I wasn't listening close enough. Oh, what a good sermon last week. But oh my goodness, did you hear what that person did? Did you hear what that person said? Oh, my gosh. God, I thank you so much that you did not make me like that person. I thank you so much, God, that you just made me so humble. That you just made me love you so much. That you just made me such a great servant here at KCPC. Oh, God, you're a great God. Brother, sister, what is in your heart at this moment? Brother, sister, you may be present here at KCPC. You may be present here worshiping the Lord alongside us. But where is your heart? Whose heart is it this morning? Is it the Lord's heart or is it someone else's? Is it the Lord's heart or is it your own? Is it the Lord's heart or is there some idol in your heart that you have not given up to God just yet? That you refuse to give up to the Lord? 
And so in the ease and the prospering of Babylon, in the ease and the prospering of this life, it's easy for me to get back into my sin. It's easy for me to look at my idols. It's easy for me to see them and say that these are good and see that this is my life and see that, yes, God, thank you. Ironically, thank you, God, for giving me all these wonderful things. I'm living my life now. And yet, in the ease and the prospering, God comes to King Nebuchadnezzar in a dream. And as King Nebuchadnezzar is sleeping one day, he sees this dream and he sees, as we just read from the text, this giant tree, this big tree that is rooted deep. It's something that you can see from one end of the earth to the other. There are trees, there are branches that are full of fruit. It's lively. It looks as though it is healthy from the bottom up. And from along the whole world, everyone can see it. Everyone sees its glory. Everyone sees how amazing, how awesome, how powerful this tree is. And all animals come to this tree for its shade, come to this tree for its fruit, come come to this tree for its protection. And yet, what happens in that dream, the God of heaven and earth comes and says to the tree, you must be chopped down. And as King Nebuchadnezzar had this dream and dreamt through, I imagine that his head might have started sweating a little bit. We read from the text earlier in this chapter that he, his peace left him that he was a little worried about what this dream meant. So he invited everyone to interpret the dream. The Chaldeans cannot do it. The wise men cannot do it. And he remembered, Daniel, Daniel can do it. Daniel can interpret this dream for me. And so brothers and sisters, let me read for you one more time, verse 25. Till you know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. My life is not my own, and neither is yours. If Jesus Christ has bought you by his precious blood, if Jesus Christ has risen again from the grave for you and has defeated the grave for you, you and I are not our own. I do not belong to myself. I do not live for my own passions, my own glory, my own ambitions. I live to serve the Lord, and I live to glorify him. And that is also each and every one of you here this morning, if you believe in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, the need to quit is this, is that Many times in my ease and many times in my prospering, I forget who I belong to. I forget I have a good heavenly father who loves me. I forget I have a God who cares for me, who knows how much hair I have on the top of my head, who knows all the things that happen in my life, all the things that will happen in my life, and is using those things for his glory and for your good. Brothers and sisters, we forget who this God is in the ease and the prospering, and yet God is calling on each and every one of us to remember him to remember his lordship and to fall down upon his throne not mine I had a friend who I used to do Bible study with and this friend uh, he and I were very very close I could talk to him about anything I could share him I share anything about him anything with him Uh, and so uh, he and I would after school go 
to McDonald's. It was right across the street from our school. I went to Woodson. And so right from Woodson, there was this McDonald's. We take out our mom's coupons that we stole from their purses. And then we use all of the coupons to get like literally stacks and stacks of fish, filet fish and Big Macs. Okay. And that would be our like daily ritual. And then we would go around school finding quarters when the coupons ran out, right? Because at that time, it was like a dollar twenty-seven, A dollar, no, not 27. Like a dollar nine. My goodness. A dollar nine for a McDouble, okay? And so you take all these uh, quarters and you, we took all the change that we could find. We buy all the food that we could get. We are there feasting at McDonald's. And then we open up our Bibles and we're talking about Jesus together. And that would be our daily ritual for months and months and months until uh, I... I was, at the, I was at McDonald's again, just like usual. And then after the Bible study, my friend looked to me and he looked, said to me, Michael, I don't want to do this anymore. Michael, I'm sort of done reading the Bible. Like I know you and I have been doing this for a while. It's been fun. But I actually don't think that I want to read the Bible any longer. I actually don't think that I want to follow Jesus anymore. I just want to be happy, Michael. Do you understand where I'm coming from? And so I looked at him. And I was very confused because this kid was coming out of nowhere. And I said to him, well, okay, well hold on. Let's unpack this for a second. What are you talking about? I thought you were going to church literally every Sunday. Michael, I actually haven't been going out to church for like the past three months. I've been fighting with my mom and my dad about it. Uh, I mean, thank God I have a car now, so now they can't really do anything about it. But Michael, I'm done. Why are you done? Michael, I just want to be happy. Do you get that, Michael? I just want to be happy. I want to live my life. I want to have fun. I want to do the things that I want to do. I want to live my life to the fullest. I want to go to this college, and then I want to get this job, and then I want to make my life how it is. I want this for my life. I don't want God all the time. And even if I believe in God all the time, or I mean, if I believe in God, I might not even crave him. I might even reject him, even as a believer. And so, brothers and sisters, here's the thing. The Most High is the one who rules over your life. I am not my own, and you are not your own either. What is it in your heart that is telling you that you belong to yourself? Is it that you are a self-made man, a self-made woman, Is it that you have triumphed over your family trauma and you said no to that and you said, I look at how good I'm doing. Look at all the things that I've done for myself. All the things that I've done to make my life better. Do you feel like you and I are less than other people because you are so much better than me, so much better than the people that are sitting next to you? Oh, he he doesn't work as hard as I do. She's not as smart as me. I can't believe it. Do you feel like in your heart, like in your mind, you are actually the king of your life? Brother and sister, we are no kings. We are servants of the Most High. Brother and sister, we owe our whole entire life to our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And and it is to him whom we must bow down to. The need to quit is this, is that we live in a time, we live in a culture, we live in Babylon where our ears itch 
And we only want to hear what we want to hear. We only want to know what we want to know. We will only follow what we think is best for me and what we think is best for my life, the things that will make me prosper. And if anything comes against me, if anything comes against my happiness, then no thank you, Jesus. The need to quit, my brothers and sisters, is that we must recognize the idols in our hearts. Recognize what it is that you're holding onto and you're not letting go of. And as we figure out this need to quit, what else happens? Then we find that there's obstacles to letting go. There's obstacles to that repentance because it's never that easy, right? And so when you look at, uh, back to the text, I want to go back to verse 22. It says this, It is you, O king, who have grown strong and become, who grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven and your dominion to the ends of the earth. It is you, O king, who have grown strong, grown and become strong. The king, back in that time, much like many of us here, pride, prideful, full of energy, full of hope for what today could bring, for what tomorrow could bring. And him, maybe more so than anyone else, because he was the king of one of the most powerful nations, most powerful kingdoms the world had ever seen. He was the king who decided, yes and no. Who is the king who decided if this, about his land, about his people, about his law, there is nothing that was not under control of King Nebuchadnezzar. And yet this king, and because this king was so powerful, because this king made it himself, because this king was so self-made, he grew strong in his heart, and his heart started to harden. See, this is what happens when I trust in myself, when I look to my own strength, and when I start to trust my own ability, my own mind, my own heart, my own ability my own grit, that when I look to the things that I've accomplished, I don't recognize it as God blessing me. I don't recognize it as God's mercy and grace upon my life that is so undeserving. I recognize it as me who has done it. I deserve the glory now. I deserve the praise now. I'm the king of my life now. Because why? Did God help me? Did God do any of these things for me? When I was struggling with the bills, when I was struggling with my job, when I was struggling with my family at home, and I finally figured it out, did God really help me? I was a little shocked when I heard my friend was so done with Christianity and that he walked away. Uh, but he was one of my best friends, and so I continued to walk with him, and I continued to uh, keep in contact with him, and I still do to this day. And along the way, as I learn more and more about this guy, I've learned a, a couple of things that I found really heartbreaking. Things that I started to understand, oh, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why his heart is so hard. And so there's this one day where we're at his house, and uh, he says to me, Michael, we need to leave right now. So it's really abrupt, it's really sudden, and it's really random. And I didn't understand it. I was in the basement, he was upstairs. He just comes down from uh, his, the second floor of his house down to the basement and says, Michael, get your stuff, we gotta go. We need to go. 
And I said, dude, we're in the middle of a game. Can we just finish? And he said, no, Michael, I'm serious. We need to go. And so I said, okay, 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 chill. Don't worry about it. I'll go. And so we go. We leave his house. And then where we go? We go to McDonald's again because he lived near McDonald's. And so uh, at, at McDonald's, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm talking to him and saying, why have we got to leave? What happened? We were winning. And as he was explaining, he was saying, oh, my mom and my dad were there about to fight, and I didn't want you to hear that. And as I heard that they were about to fight, I didn't want to pry too much, but he was one of my best friends, so I just started prying, you know. That's what I do as a best friend. And so uh, as his best friend, I said, okay, well, you got to tell me what's up, right? And so he told me all of the things that was going on in his home, that his mother was about to leave the family, that there were just too many empty promises between his mother and his father. That there were just too many fights between his mother and his father. And that his mom was on the last straw. And that eventually his mom actually did leave the home. And that his mom was actually, uh, his mom and his, himself, they had a pretty good relationship growing up. They had a pretty good relationship in the childhood, uh, in, in adolescence and all these sorts of things. And eventually that relationship withered away to a couple phone calls a month. And the heart that this, that this friend had towards God suddenly became hardened and suddenly became so cold because how in the world could this happen to me when I went to church every Sunday? I went to the Fall Family Festival, God. I went to Sunday school, God. I even volunteered a little bit, God. I did all these things for you. So you know what, God? I'm a little done with you right now, but I'm going to focus on my life. And I'm going to focus on what makes me happy. And I'm going to focus on making sure that I don't have to deal with all of my family issues anymore. It's me and my life. I'm looking out for myself. And so then what does he do? He turns to other things. He turns to, he turns to alcohol. He turns to whatever else you can find in this area. You can find basically everything in this area, you know. And, and so he turns to all these things. And along the way, I'm seeing him. I'm watching him. What does he do? Michael, I'm not a bad person. Michael, don't talk to me about God. You're the hypocrite here. I know the skeletons in your closet too. Michael, don't think for a second that you could judge me. He grew strong. He was strong in himself. He was strong in trusting after his own power, his own ability, his own smarts. He was strong in trusting in what he thought he could accomplish on his own. But brothers and sisters, if you know Jesus Christ, if you know the mighty work that Jesus Christ has accomplished for your life and for my life today, you know that there is nothing that we could do apart from him. May you be reminded of that, that there is nothing that I can do, not even breathe. My heart does not even beat so much as one pump of blood. If God says stop, my heart will not beat. And it is the same thing with everyone here in this room. Dear brothers and sisters, I am not strong and you are not either. We are only weak servants of the strong living God who has defeated the grave, who has defeated sin for you, who is watching over you, who is leading you and guiding you for his glory and for your good. Brothers and sisters, have you become too strong? Have you trusted in your deep pocket? Have you trusted in the things around you, in the people around you, and in yourself? Let 
some of the obstacles that we see in Babylon and in our own hearts is that there is so much pain, that there are so many scars that have healed wrong, healed incorrectly, that have scarred over, that there are so many anxious moments, so much anger that's pent up, so much tiredness from everyday life that I'm just too tired and I'm too fed up to go to him. That I'm too tired and I'm too fed up because the waiting is too long. That I'm too tired and I'm too fed up because my life seems to be running in shambles and yet, God, it seems like you're not answering. So I'm going to make sure that I get this life right. I only have one. Brothers and sisters, that's the obstacle to this life. And then we look at the things around us. We look to these 15-second videos online. We look to whatever news article, whatever person that is influencing your heart and your mind right now. And we look to political leaders. We look to celebrities. We look to ideas. We look to all these sorts of things to fill our minds, fill our hearts. And yet, when it comes to this word that has come across time, that has come across cultures, that it speaks truth into every point in time in history, and it brings life to you, should you believe the words that has been written in this book, we look at this book and say, I don't think it helps me that much. But look at this 15 minute, 15 second video online. That I get. That my ears itch to. That I think I can follow. Dear brother, dear sister, look to the word and build your life on this. The dream that King Nebuchadnezzar has. It doesn't end well. And so when Daniel comes into the court and he interprets the dream for King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar is still a little afraid of what he's read. It's still a little afraid of what he saw. And so Daniel himself, also a little distraught, he says to King Nebuchadnezzar, I hope this is for your enemies, king. I really, really hope this is not for me. This is not for you. Because seven times, seven full periods of times, this will happen to you. O king, be made to look like an animal, be made to act like an animal and lose your self-conscious until you know, O king, that the most high reigns. Until you know, O king, that it is not you who is God. It is not you who is Lord over your life. It is not you who runs the shots. It's God. It is the living Savior Jesus who is in charge here, O king. And so then how do I know how to quit? How do I know how to let go? Verse 27 says this, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins. Brothers and sisters, this is the call to repentance that Daniel is giving King Nebuchadnezzar. It's a call to repentance that Daniel is giving you and I this morning. Break off from your sins. 
And just to be clear, the idea of breaking off, it's not just, oh, uh, maybe for one day I'll try to abstain from my sin, but I'll know that I'm going to get back into it. Maybe I can flirt with my sin and think that I can go play with the line and say, God, well, you said not to murder, so maybe I'll just punch him. Maybe you said not to commit adultery, so maybe I'll just keep on flirting. Maybe you told me not to steal, so maybe I'll just, you know, take half of it and maybe give back some later, right? Maybe I can do all these things, but God knows our hearts this morning. God knows our hearts every single moment of time and space, yes? And so, dear brothers and sisters, the idea of breaking off It's not flirting with sin. It's not playing around with sin. It is completely destroying the sin in your life. Not by your power and not by your strength, but by depending solely on him. Because it is God who conquers, not me. The idea of breaking off, if you look through the Bible, the word is being used this way. When a storm comes through, a heavy, heavy storm, and it wrecks the neighborhood, right? You, you open up your house after that storm and then, or you open up your door after that storm. You walk outside your neighborhood and you see trees tumble down. You see cars that were damaged even by the storm. That's what it means to break off. That when God breaks off through the Bible and throughout scripture, God's not playing with his sin. God's not pl- with, with sin. God is not playing around with your heart and your life. He cares way too much for it, and he knows what is good for it, and he knows how to truly prosper it. He knows how to truly have it grow and have it be fruitful and have it be filled with joy, filled with contentment, filled with security. He knows all of these things. Why? Because he has made you. Why? Because he is the author of your life. Why? Because he sees every moment of your pain. He sees every moment of your struggle. He sees the triumphs you have made. He sees where your heart is at. He sees all of it. And he sees that, yes, you and I have may, may have accomplished amazing things in this life. And you and I might have accomplished great things for other people and been great to our others and been good people that other people would see as, wow, what a stellar Christian. And yet God sees the sin in your heart this morning. You cannot hide from it. And I cannot either. So when my friend then started to share all these things about his family, I honestly didn't know what to say. I never experienced that in my life. I never experienced any sort of, uh, I never experienced a parent leaving like that. All I could do was just say, I'm so sorry. All I could do was just sit there and say, that's so tough. And so my friend then looked at me straight dead in the eye, and he just said to me, look, you and I are good friends, so it's okay. But don't talk to me about God. I don't want to hear that. Don't talk to me about what he he can do. That was his demeanor. Don't talk to me about how Jesus saved my life. Look at my family, Michael. Suffering in this life, so strange, so peculiar, because the Bible teaches me that even my suffering 
is useful to God. That even my suffering is something that God uses to get me to understand I'm not my Lord. I'm not the king of my life. That even my suffering, even your suffering, is something that God will use to help you to see that yes, God is who you need this morning. He has always been who you needed. And that God is right there. He has suffered alongside of you. He has suffered even worse than you because I have not bled to the, I have not prayed to the point of bleeding. I have not suffered to the point of losing my life for the sake of another. And yet that is exactly what Jesus Christ has done. That he has suffered all that this world had to offer for your sake, for his glory. That he would come from heaven down to earth for someone as low as me, for someone as undeserving as me, someone who is so idolatrous in heart, someone who looks to God and then says to him, God, I don't want you. I don't want your promises. I don't want anything that you have for me. I don't want to read the Bible. I want to feel good here and now. And yet God constantly calls. When Thomas was distraught after having seen Jesus die. After having heard Jesus die, he runs away along with his disciples. And eventually Jesus, risen from the grave, comes to Thomas. And Jesus just sticks out his hand. And Jesus shows his, shows his side. And Thomas is there, down on his knees, maybe looking at the hands and looking at the side of Jesus and then says to Jesus, Jesus, I believe. Do you believe just because you have seen? Greater, there are greater blessings for those who have not seen and believed. There's a greater hope for you and for me today because Jesus has conquered the grave, because he has given me this scripture that has set forth my life and has given me guidance in my life so that I can let go of my idols, so that I can find the strength to say that, no, no more to sin. God, I want to depend upon you. God, I want to live for you. God, I need you. God, you are the air that I breathe. God, without you, I have no life. That is the power that we need, the power that defeated sin, the power that defeated the grave, the power that now reigns inside of you. And know this, brothers and sisters, know this, KCPC. God will not share first place with anyone else. He loves you too much. God will not allow sin to enter into your life and run amok, and God will not allow sin to rule over your life. He will address it. He will heal it. He will lead you to repentance should you be his. Should you be a precious son, a precious daughter of Jesus, of God, and a brother and sister of Jesus Christ. God loves you too much to let you go. And if that means that you must suffer a little bit, if that means that you must suffer just like King Nebuchadnezzar, losing his consciousness, losing all that he's ever known and understood, to act even like a beast, then that means that out of God's mercy and grace for you. He is calling you to look back to him no matter what it takes. He loves you too much. He loves you, loves you, loves you. 
And so when I think about letting go, when I think about quitting, how to quit, the dream passes, and King Nebuchadnezzar, he then starts to, uh, he then starts to receive his dream, receive the interpretation, and what happens in the story? Judgment falls upon him for seven full periods of time. And it's not until King Nebuchadnezzar looks up. It's not until King Nebuchadnezzar looks up to God and recognizes in his heart and recognizes who is the most high. It is not King Nebuchadnezzar. It is not anyone here in this room. It is not here in this church. It is not anyone here in this world. It is only Jesus Christ who is the most high, the king of the whole entire world, the one who has redeemed it, the one who will restore it, the one who is restoring even your life right now. How do I quit? How do I let go when it's so hard? I look to him who has suffered and died for me, who has defeated the grave for me, who has promised me eternal life with him forever and ever for a day where there's no tears, a day where all suffering will be done with, a day where I can look to him and I can see, not by faith, but by sight, actually, that he is mine and I'm his.